Okay, so welcome to Defen, episode 11. Uh, Ray McDermott in Belgium. And this is Vijay from Holland. Just Vijay this time. Yes. You're not, you're not giving us your full name this time. <laughs> that, that's what, I'm just asking. That's what we keep saying, but we never know. You know, there might be a surprise guest coming up on the show. Just just the two of us, I think. No, no nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just, just the three of us. <laughs> okay, let's do a, right. let's do a quick uh, news and events announcements and stuff like that. So, uh, Euroclosure is uh, getting closer and closer, and uh, we will be there as we told you guys. And also, we started thinking about because we have, I think this is our second double digit episode, so episode number eleven. So we thought uh, this is a nice time for us to do some solid branding. So we're going to have a new logo and uh, updating the website and all that stuff for Euroclosure. And um, also we'd like to do some speaker interviews at uh, Euroclosure and we'll get some stickers for you guys with our new logo. So if you're listening to this uh, episode, please check out (laughs) only stickers. We're not going to give away anything else, uh, unfortunately. So... (laughs) So that's. I was going to say, we, you know, you're serious when you're getting stickers. Yes. You know that that's a. Uh, I want to see all the laptops with the stickers on it. Exactly. You know? That's like a that's like a big commitment. You know, like <laughs> it's like getting a tattoo or something for your laptop. I'm not actually sure I'll do it for my PC. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a, that's you just discouraged fifty people from putting our sticker there. God damn it, man. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, but I like the back of mine all nice and clean. You know. Yeah. Okay, so that's... Uh, anyway, yeah, So fine. we'll be there at Euroclosure, and uh, of course, uh, there is new branding coming up, and there is not much else going on apart from uh, uh, the, the winter solstice is up on us, so it's uh, getting darker and colder, so I'm liking it here. That's pretty much it. Okay, so uh, yeah. for this episode, we thought we are going to continue annoying you people by making Village Idiotry around, but uh, we got your feedback, and... Uh, <laughs> But we, we're going to go for the big shots now. So um, what, what we have today is uh, we have a amazing guest today. Um, he is the third contributor on Clojure for GitHub. And he is um, pretty much second in command for Clojure development. And he is also co-author of Clojure Applied. And he is the chief community officer probably for Clojure right now. So we'd like to welcome Alex Miller. Hey. Hello. Hey, Alex. Happy to be here. Hi, Alex. <laughs> well, welcome to Defen. Hello. I have a confession to make, though. Oh, we already started because with I've, confessions. Because I've listened to a lot of a lot of your episodes, and I, I had to confess that I'm not a vegetarian. Ah, so hopefully you'll oh, allow me to be on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, would you like to be? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I dabble with it. You've dabbled with it. You've counted, yeah. Have you for, ever for eaten vegetables? Have you, have you, have you ever eaten vegetables? I have. No, okay. that's enough. We're, you're honorary vegetarian <laughs> for this episode. Then. All right. Uh, as long as you don't, as long as you promise not to eat any meat during the episode, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> I, I do have a bag of beef jerky here, but I'll I'll refrain oh from it during God, the recording. <laughs> 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 okay, so Alex, uh, thank, thanks a lot for joining us, and thanks a lot for um, yeah, of course, uh, uh, you know, coming up on on the episode, and we are very honored to have you. It's been a pleasure to do this um, thing for for almost uh, ten episodes now, or eleven, not almost. So um, 
Let's start with uh, the first most important question, Emacs or in, in it, something else? <laughs> um, so I, I'm a I'm a editor agnostic. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> oh my god! So I'm not going to yeah, weigh in on okay. that one. But I, so when I started Closure, I actually used uh, I used TextMate for the first probably six months that I did Closure. Wow! Uh, and then I switched to NetBeans and Closure, which had, which was pretty pretty great at the time. Hmm. And uh, then eventually, at the urging of my colleagues, uh, switched to Emacs, and so I, I've used Emacs a lot. I also these days I mostly use Cursive. Okay. Um, mm. But uh, I'm. That's okay. You know. I think. I, Did you hear VJ say? Mm, mm, yeah. There. He's not one hundred percent. Sorry, disappoint you. <laughs> well, I th- I, actually, I, I think we're I like with a lot of great people. editors in Closure. So I'm. I don't. You know. I'm. And I'm glad that there's something that matches everyone's yeah. needs. So. Yeah. I think like a lot of people, you know, there's there's many ways to edit the uh, closure, isn't there? It's not just there's not just one way. I, I think the editing part of it is less important than the thinking part of it, so I don't really care that much. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, Richie he gave his ants demo in Emacs, so Emacs is the thing. <laughs> he is, uh, he uses uh, I think he uses Aquamax. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's even yeah, Aquamax. <laughs> oh my god, it's like. <laughs> Anyway, okay, we don't, yeah. of course, you know, um, obviously Emacs is the best editor, but let's not, uh, you know, dwell on uh, <laughs> universal facts or anything. Okay, let's uh, get on get on with the show. So, um, so Alex, I mean, I, I, as, as we were discussing before the show, so you've been um, involved with Clojure for almost five, six years now, almost. And I remember seeing you in 2011 at DevOps. Um, b- before we get into how, how did you get into Clojure? How did you get your name everywhere on the internet as Pure Danger? Where does it come from? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's funny because it, it doesn't really mean anything. It's one of those sort of ironic nicknames, you know, like, uh, right. <laughs> a, like, like a, uh, you know. <laughs> because I looked uh, up. Like daring fireball I'm, I'm totally not dangerous at all. So that's, yeah. <laughs> because we. I used to have a website, uh, my own personal blog site used to be baconwrapped.com. So most, most non-vegetarian. <laughs> which which uh, I decided that I was going to change it to something else. And I thought, oh, I want something that's like relatively unique in the, mm. in the world. And some, for some, and I was like, I was like, Hey, my, my wife was sitting there and I was like, Hey honey, why don't I call myself pure danger? And she's like, it's like, that's ridiculous. And I said, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> because I, I did some research, quote unquote research. <laughs> and then the only Uh-oh. thing that I could found, find out is that there is a, Kind of a crappy B movie on Amazon that that said pure danger. I'm like, wow, no, it can't be it. And <laughs> I've never heard that. Never heard that. I'll have to go watch that now. Okay. Anyway, so um, pure danger. Uh, welcome to the show. So first of all, uh, so how did you start with closure? I mean, when, how, and when is the, when was the first time? Yeah. So if I go like, I'd say I start the story actually uh, back in the early 2000s. I worked at a company called MetaMatrix, mm-hmm. uh, which is no longer in existence, but um, and we were, I built a, uh, federated relational query engine there that would sort of knit together different, uh, relational databases and make them look like one big virtual database. So I primarily, uh, wrote the query engine for that, uh, and a lot of, a lot of JDBC stuff, but, um, that eventually got sold and open sourced and it actually still exists. It's called TEID, T-E-I-I-D. That's a JBoss project. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's still the code's still out there mm. <laughs> in use, but uh, but anyways, that was all written in Java, and uh, but I 
I worked I, I worked really hard on the query optimizer parts of it for a long time and uh, even rewrote it in Scheme at one point, uh, trying to get a little bit better sort of abstraction capability out of it. Uh, so years later, I was approached in late 2009 time frame. I was approached by the founder of Metamatrix, and he wanted to build a new company, or he already had a company, but he wanted to build a new project that was kind of similar, but in the semantic web space. And so they were asking me to, to join and, and work on that sort of thing. And I said, that sounds cool. I'd like to take a crack at that again, but I, but I don't want to use Java. I want to use, uh, you have to agree to let me do something else. Um, and so I knew that we had to be on the JVM and that we needed some level of, uh, I wanted something that had better sort of abstraction capabilities. And, um, so I pretty, and needed uh, concurrency. So I was really looking primarily at Scala and Clojure. Um, and I, I kind of assumed that it, the answer would be Scala. That was sort of mm. my assumption is where I would end up. Yeah. And so we were sort of hiring people and working on some initial parts of it. And we were actually developing both in Scala and in Clojure for a while, uh, the same project, mostly just sort of as a learning experience on both of them. And at some point we had sort of hired, staffed up the team. And I looked around and I realized that nobody was working on the Scala ones anymore. Everybody was working on the Clojure one. <laughs> and I was like, I guess we've actually made our decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real, we all really like Clojure, so we're going to use, use Clojure. So, uh, yeah. so it kind of happened like that. Yeah. And the, that's really nice, actually. So what, what was, I mean, did you actually talk to the guys about what, 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 was, uh, what drove that decision? I mean, it's sort of nice that you, you, know, you all got there, but... Yeah, I mean, I think it was a combination of the people that we ended up hiring and our own backgrounds and, and how things were working. But I think in general, I mean, it, it was also that, I mean, if you cast your mind back in time, that was a time when uh, Scala was going through some particular growing pains. Um, yeah. So it was difficult mm -hmm. to get the tooling to work and the compilation to work. And so some of the just sort of day-to-day -day work issues were more complicated in Scala than they were in Clojure. And I also found... I personally found Scala to be relatively a relatively complicated language to learn, whereas for me, I've always I've done scheme some scheme stuff in college and and scheme and Lisp always sort of that sort of way of thinking about the word always made sense to me, and so it I took to closure very quickly. It just was a really good match for what I was doing. So you were I, I, I had a similar thinking actually. I've got to be honest because I did Scala and then with Java then Scala, and then I actually did the functional programming course by Odersky mm -hmm. in Scala, but I ended up doing it in Clojure because it was easier. And <laughs> <laughs> it was ironic, you know, that actually doing that course by him put me into, into threw me into Clojure's arms. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so you were a Lisper at heart then, so and then you found Clojure and, and, and you got into Clojure, and, but initially you were not a contributor, right? Because you, you used Clojure for building applications. How did how did the contribution path start for you? Um, yeah, so we were, this is, the company was called Revolitics, yeah. um, also not around anymore. That's a theme of companies I work for. Um, <laughs> Let, let's hope you <laughs> Hopefully stop not there, a continuing theme. <laughs> so there um, is so, a nice uh, exit to exit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of them have bought, so. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's how it goes in the software world. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were just very happily developing what we were building with Clojure for uh, a number of years and, and built up a pretty, you know, 30,000 lines of Clojure and several products and selling them, doing things with it. Um, so I was really happy with Clojure as a development 
thing. And for a variety of reasons, that was uh, kind of reaching reaching its end in about uh, 2013. And, and I'd kind of been trying to get into a little bit more with the closure community. Mm-hmm. I'd started closure West in 2012. Yep. Um, and so I knew, you know, I'd, I'd met rich and I, I knew Stu from a long time ago from the no fluff tour. Yep. Uh, so we both spoke on that tour. And, and uh, so I kind of knew the people involved and, and uh, I have a lot of background at other companies and, sort of concurrency and uh, bike code manipulation, mm-hmm. uh, running open source projects. I did that at Terracotta. And so I had sort of a unique skill set yeah. that when I looked at it, looked like exactly what uh, relevance at the time yeah. needed to work on Clojure. And so I kind of went to them and um, said, you know, hey, I'd really, I think I have a lot of good skills to work on sort of helping to maintain Clojure. And they said, uh, you're right. We were about to ask you about that. <laughs> so yeah. there was a, it was one of those things where it just uh, was the right, right time and everything. And, and uh, I, I wasn't able to, the, the relevance wasn't able to support that mm-hmm. initially when I came on. So I worked as a contractor for, uh, for six months or so before I was able to, they were able to support me as sort of a, the okay. open source, full-time open source kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's like a, a really, I would say it's, it's like a nice match uh, with the, with the kind of um, people that we have in the closure community, and and you bring this this community orientedness to the closure, which was one of the things that personally I was worried about when I started looking into closure because back in the day there was a lot of um, discussion on the mailing list about uh, closure's future and how the features get into closure. Remember, you know, uh, pretty long time ago when Rich was still taking donations and stuff, um, or at least announced that hey, I want to work on closure for full time, and obviously. There is a need for community stewardship or community management in Clojure. And and I think it was like, it was it is amazing that you're, you're part of this team and you're building this relationship with the community. So that's that's a very uh, nice asset to Clojure community, I would say. It, it turns out that I have some, I have, you know, discovered that I have some skills that are particularly relevant to, <laughs> to yeah. doing maintenance work. Like a lot of people don't like doing maintenance work, but I actually like it. Oh. I like working processes over long periods of time and doing sort of just the sort of that weeding, tending kind of work yeah. that actually drives me in a way that most people find really irritating. So, <laughs> so <laughs> and, and like Rich, for example, you know, is yeah. a, he is a serial inventor and is yeah. always coming up with new things, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, grinding through tickets and stuff like that is not is not something that he particularly enjoys. Whereas yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot better job at that. So yeah, but that's the that's the nice part of, of uh, forming a uh, I don't know effective team, right? I mean, you have people with different mm-hmm. skill sets and different uh, mindsets, and then on the whole, you know, you have different people to handle different kind of situations. So. That is something that um, I really like about Clojure right now with the, with the way that uh, you're doing the community side of it and Stuart Holloway is doing all sorts of um, evangelism, so to speak, uh, every now and then. And Rich is being the um, the lead for taking Clojure into a specific direction. So that is um, amazing. Okay, so um, so can, can you give us some, some insight into, into the Clojure development process? I mean, how, how do you guys develop Clojure? Is it because you're working really closely with, uh, with Rich and uh, Stu, right? So 
how how does it is is it like a daily stand up or is it scrum is it waterfall <laughs> I, i don't know you know it's all waterfall man <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh just fall um, out the hammock we exactly. we actually work um i mean we're all remote and so we we all work very asynchronously okay. and sort of we have an internal ticket system as well that we manage things with and mm-hmm. um it's not uncommon for me to go a week without talking to Rich or Stu uh, in any sort of detailed way but we're on chat continuously and things like that and mm-hmm. um, I mean Rich is uh, watching Rich work is actually really amazing because he he is time sliced mm-hmm. more deeply than anybody else at the company probably I mean he's working on closure he's in leading efforts there he's leading the direction on datomic yeah and then he's also Uh, one of the officers of the company so there's yeah. just normal company business type stuff yeah um that he and he's split across all those things and he's you know chopped up in half hour blocks all day long and he just goes from wildly different things from one <laughs> to the other like all day long and uh, so i i have a lot of appreciation for yeah. you know his focus throughout the day every day mm-hmm. and and getting all those different kinds of things done but really he sets direction he usually then um a, a lot of times we'll work with Stu or sometimes directly with me and sort of coming up with a, an idea of what we're working on mm. uh, break things down into pieces and then you know it, I, I I'm doing a lot of the you know grunt work you know so he'll say you know something needs to be done just drop in the chat room and that I'll turn that into a ticket and then you know I'll work on it over time eventually it gets done and I say mm. okay Stu now it's done Stu will look at it and then Rich will look at it eventually but Um, okay. all that stuff all those handoffs are pretty asynchronous okay so is it are you guys the the main three i mean i know that other people are committing to the code base but do you guys do the kind of like final reviews or something like like uh like the lieutenants or what's the you know because you've got a bigger team than just you three haven't you obviously you know working on various projects you've got you know some of the people are known like tim baldridge and people like that mm-hmm. but you know Yeah, it really varies, but um generally that's the we're the the main three that work on closure things. And then and, and of course, you know, a lot of the a lot of the ticket work is is looking at tickets that are coming in from the community. So um you know, I I spend a significant portion of my time reviewing code written by people who are not a uh, not yeah. part of the core team. Yeah. Um so and, and that's uh that's something I've tried to get better at uh, in terms of uh reviewing and giving uh, useful feedback. Um, I've spent a lot of my life reviewing other people's code <laughs> at one point or another. So and actually I, more important question then, tabs or spaces? Spaces. Yay. It's closure, man. Yes. Spaces, spaces only. Uh, Come on, sorry. Space, spaces has space in it. <laughs> tab, tab has what, tab? I don't know. Oh yeah, my god! Let's, let's, let's stop this right now because we could be here all night. Sorry, that that was just a that was just a mind bomb there. Okay, forget yeah. it. Let's move on. The next thing, please, VJ, bring us back on track. <laughs> okay. Um. So, how much? So obviously, most of the time you're you're working on closure, but um, do you also work on the commercial projects with closure at at Cognitech? How much time did you do you have between these two things? I, I almost exclusively work on closure. So mm-hmm. like in the early days I I did work on some consulting projects and and uh and I have been bit on some and occasionally I get pulled in to do like uh performance <clears throat> or architecture type uh, yeah. consulting engagements and yeah. those are usually like real quick 
thing. These are usually like one or three day type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that Cognitech does is, is architecture and performance assistance, things like that. And sometimes if we're just understaffed consulting wise, then I'll get pulled in for that. Mm-hmm. And then I go do travel and do closure training occasionally uh, for companies. Um, okay. If somebody asks for that, but really these days I spend you know, almost all of my time working on closure itself and not all of that is visible. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> in uh, Rich's yeah. typical way, there's a, there's always a projects that uh, he, he prefers to talk about things, you know, after they're done yeah. instead of before they're started. So um, there are still two or three new things for closure 1.9 timeframe that we're uh, pretty actively working on that we haven't talked about yet. So, okay. So it's more of an Apple approach than a Google approach, then. Tends to, to be more like that, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the only time I ever heard Rich saying, "I regret that I said this one before it is ready." I think that was a, for the pods or something. He oh said, yeah. He said no. <laughs> that was the only time I, I heard him say that, and otherwise, I mean, he's very quiet about what what he is. Uh, I think until until he forms the idea, right? I mean, he doesn't want to talk about it or. Well, and sometimes those ideas take a long time to form. So yeah. like some of the stuff that's in spec are things that, I mean, yeah. he was pulling notes out from six years ago for parts of the spec stuff. I mean, the, some of that's ideas that have been sort of kicking around the back of his head since the earliest days of closure. Yep, um, yeah. It just took a long time for them to gel together. I mean, transducers, I think, was yeah. the same way. Yeah. It was really a yeah. merging yeah. of several different things that happened over many years. Okay. So... so- just, just a quick question on that one. Actually, you know, <clears throat> with your obvious, uh, like you have one point six, one point seven, one point eight, one point nine. How do you decide on the uh, the cadence of releases, Alex? Is it is it sort of time or features or, or what other parameters do you use for that? It's changed over time, and I think when I came on, um, I think one point five had already been out for like a year or something like that, and there had not been a lot of progress towards actually making a 1.6 and so that was kind of when i first started working on the open source stuff it was really um how do we get this in shape and get a release out because we're overdue um Mm. really i i would i mean and this is a matter of it it really varies in terms of my own personal feel and then what rich and stu think about it and uh i mean i would love to have sort of a larger release and a smaller smaller release every year I think that's a good sort of alternating between those is a good thing. I don't think the community at large really, um, if you look at the way big companies absorb new releases, um, generally they, they have periods where they can upgrade on a project and those periods don't come up that often per year. So you really putting out two major releases a year is enough. I don't think that we need to actually release more frequently than that. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're in a point where like 1.8 actually came out relatively quickly. 1.9 is turning into a longer release. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. We're still in alpha and it's been out. I mean, it, 1.8 came out in uh, January, I think. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I don't, I don't anticipate that, you know, we're going to be done you know, before the end of the year. But the alphas um, for, um, speaking of the 1.9 series now, alphas right now so far are really focused on spec, right? Mostly. Yeah. I mean, we have been bleeding in some of the other 
um, tickets and things like that. Yeah. And uh, Richard asked me to go through and sort of identify a set of tickets that are um, things that the core team really needs to work, be involved in sort of solving yeah. and that are important problems to people mm. and that are, um, you know, thornier things. And so a handful of those actually, uh, so I, I put together a list of tickets and yeah. a handful of those have uh, already had patches on them, things like that. Some of those have already gone in and then uh, there's some other ones yeah. up there as well um, that we're still looking at. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so there are still a couple of new things that will be in 1.9 apart from spec. Well, they there are some things we've been working on. So I'm not sure if all of them will get finished and not all of them <laughs> need to be in, uh, necessarily need to be in core. And oh, so okay. some of them might be just things that are coming um, with 1.9, okay. um, but not necessarily in core. So. so it's not even going to be static typing, but dependency typing or dependent types <laughs> and everything. <laughs> we don't need that anymore. We got the uh, specs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so speaking about spec, so, sorry, right. I was just going to say before we go into the specifics of spec, mm -hmm. um, we were we were spec we were speculating. <laughs> oh, should, right. should have put that. That should be in the last episode. Yeah, speculation. Speculation. Spec, yeah. God damn it. Okay, <laughs> clever a week after. Um, anyway, uh, we were we were kind of speculating about what the what the motivation was to actually put it in version one point nine because. Most of the things can operate outside of the language. There's no language change, is there? In one point in uh, in the spec, spec doesn't require any language change, as far as I know. Uh, not really. I mean, there are a few things like the the checks inside the macro uh, ex expansion and things like that. So there are and changes in doc and stuff like that. So there are a right, few things okay. that actually do tie into core. Uh, but it's more about minor. updating the library, isn't it? Than putting another language yeah. feature in, I guess. I, I guess my question, anyway, long way around it, is to say, well, you know, why did you put it in core? I mean, I was assuming there were some reasons behind it. We, we speculated about why there might have been, you know, to get a common developer experience, etc. But what, what is the, what's the kind of uh, the, 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 the real truth, you know? The main thing is that we think it's really important. So it we think it should be in the box. And so... Yeah. Um, so we put it in the box. <laughs> so that's, a, okay. that's the main yeah. thing. I mean, seriously, it's 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 something that I think um, it was really needed, and it's different than the other things that are out there. And it's really it both in both other things that exist in the closure world and other things that exist in other language communities. And and it really um, it fills in a missing part of the closure story. I think. Um, that Rich has been thinking about for literally for you know many years, um, and so and there were a bunch of things that sort of drove it to you know gave it the spark to come out now. But um, it's really the the combination of a bunch of different things, um, and um, I think it really is um, this idea of um, not trying to be apologetic about being a dynamically typed language. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people, a lot of developers out there that are really, really quick to sort of uh, dismiss closure and dynamic typing as a as a, a valid path to writing software. Uh, and I think, you know, what 
what we really want to say is that we just don't agree with that. We think that is a yeah. totally valid thing to do. And that it's also a totally valid thing to want, you know, some greater level of uh, specification about the things you're doing. And the benefit of this approach that we're taking with spec is that um, you're in control. And so you can choose to completely ignore spec and just write your code. Um, that's totally fine. You can choose to um, add specs and, uh, you know, and use them at test time, but totally ignore them at runtime. You can choose to use them at runtime. You can choose to put specs on some things, but not on other things. You can choose to use different specs for the same function if you want to at different points in your development process. And so um, this notion of really giving you control over all that is really powerful and it's an important part of spec and it's different than most other things like static typing where you're, you have to say the types right yeah uh, and there yeah. are you have type inference and things like that in other mm -hmm. languages yeah and, and but even so you're specifying those things up front and so um it, it you don't necessarily need or want to specify specs for everything and that's fine so mm -hmm. um so i i think it's it, you know it's it really is uh an important evolution of closure and uh, we think it's one of the most important things that's been added closure since the beginning of closure so that's why it's in the box okay so what is the elevator pitch for spec i mean is it is it just like okay you don't need to use static typing so you can you can use specs to validate your programs well, i'd say it's uh, it, uh no <laughs> i would say <laughs> but i mean i've already talked about it to some degree but yeah uh, it's the, it's the notion of um so the reason to do it is to is to specify additional things about your data and about your functions. Yeah. Um, and then, so to expend a small amount of effort doing that mm -hmm. and then derive a large amount of benefit from doing so. Yeah. And that means that you can use those not just for one thing, but for many different things. You can use them to, as a form of documentation. You can use them for validation. You can use them for destructuring. You can use them for um, generative testing, which yeah. I think is really huge. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the areas that I'm working on another piece that um, will come out, uh, hopefully at some point, um, that will help talk more about that part of the story. Okay. So um, I, I just think it, it uh, you know, generative testing has been a really important thing in the closure community for a number of years. Mm. And obviously it's been proven to be pretty successful in other language communities with, you know, Erlang and Haskell yeah, and, yeah. and some of those communities have used it really heavily. Mm -hmm. I think we're taking it another step farther in terms of how it's being used. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's, uh, that's really a, so, a differentiator. So given the number of alphas, I, I don't remember last time having, uh, when was the last time we had so many alphas for closure releases? <laughs> This is the, yeah, I mean, the first so we around. made it a choice this this release that we weren't going to um, like in the past. It's really been driven by kind of by our regular dev cycle of mm -hmm. like periodically. Rich has time to review tickets, and so I would build up a stockpile of tickets that needed review, and then you know there'd be a good Friday or something like that, and <laughs> Rich would churn through them all, and and he can go through them pretty fast and and uh, and evaluate sort of what's happened with screening and everything. Um, that's not what we're doing right now. We've done a little bit of that, but I mean, yeah. primarily what we're doing right now is really um, we're doing development. You know, mm. so um, when spec was released, it wasn't. I mean, it went through two months of work beforehand, yeah. 
and, and actually I wrote a couple versions of a couple really bad versions of it before that by myself. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think we, we learned a few things from that uh, and then threw all the code away and then Rich worked on it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's uh, all for the better. Yeah. Uh, I have no, uh, have no, no problem with any of that. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, so it, you know, when, when spec was released, I mean, we released it before it was done because we wanted to get feedback from it yeah. and we've gotten a lot of feedback. So that's great. We've, I mean, we've made a, there were a ton of improvements that were made before it was released. Yeah. Like the very early versions were pretty painful to use uh, for <laughs> a bunch of different reasons. And and so it was, we used it internally. A lot of the uh, Cognitech people were used it on projects, yeah. um, just tried it out and uh, sort of a, as a private internal thing. And, um, so that drove a lot of early feedback, and and uh, I I really sort of served as the uh, sort of the uh, the uh, sort of, I sort of acted in the user role for a lot of that, and okay. you know Rich would release new stuff, and I'd try it out and watch feedback, and and uh, that drove a lot of changes. But right now you're seeing sort of a development period, yeah. and, and there is a still definitely a, a chunk of stuff yeah, yeah. left that needs to be done. So there are I think a couple of contention points around spec so far or at least uh, from from my point of view as an as an uh, user so there, there has been a lot of discussions about the backward compatibility especially for uh, for the um, um, macros or for the ns macro for example and, and oh, also yeah. there were some discussions about the error messages you know how the error messages should be communicated whether they are um, is it the tooling that needs to be um, understanding the error messages that come out of it. So, is it? What do you think about these two issues? I mean, is there something that is still you guys are thinking about, or what's your opinion on it? So, the taking the the first one was the uh, the require is really that we we've added new um, we've added specs for parts of core. Yeah, and and more specs are coming. So that's not that's not a done process. There are we've we've really uh, I tackled sort of the the gnarliest syntax portions of the macros first so yeah. really across ns defin and let destructuring yeah. uh, those three really cover the worst of it and partly that was because um i mean i started working on that months ago and and that was really a way to sort of flush out um, problems that we saw in like things that were missing so we found a lot of gaps in spec doing that because yeah. we're like i got to a point where like uh rich i don't know how to, i don't we don't have anything to do this with <laughs> and he's like <laughs> you're right uh let's you know so let me think about it and so that drove some of the some of the early feature work and uh and then the other thing was because there are a whole sort of host of uh tickets that were related to um sort of invalid inputs that were passed to those yeah. ma those macros and not caught or caught badly and so yeah. that secondly allows you to sort of get feedback on all those things and then thirdly which we haven't really i, I don't feel like i've really sort of uh closed the door on this one yet but mm. um part of it is that it's very challenging to understand the full syntax of something like destructuring um just from the doc strings alone, even or even the reference docs alone. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and I know that because I spec'd it. And so to spec it, <laughs> I had to do a lot of work, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. reading code. I mean, you had to really have to read the code. And, and then I also do, I spend a lot of time using things like cross CLJ to um, go out and look at how people are actually using things out in the wild. And then mm. uh, I also test tons of open source projects. Off yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen your 
pull requests in well, multiple projects after you know the spec compatibility things i think yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of that was like a month before it was released yeah, yeah. i was out there trying to knock down some of those <laughs> before yeah. they before it got out there but <laughs> yeah. um so so there are I, I, so when i did that i found there were a handful of cases where either there was code doing things that we would consider invalid um but things that actually succeeded um and so the require stuff falls into that category um and then people doing things that were invalid uh mm -hmm. and that were ignored and so things like uh, using keywords in the or map of a of a map structuring yeah. uh, is something that um, doesn't fail um, but it also doesn't do what you think it's doing uh, usually basically your defaults are ignored and i i found a number of cases of that out in you know popular open source projects where people <laughs> thought there were defaults yeah. that were not actually being applied and things like that. So, yeah. so for me, like those are like those kinds of problems where like you're doing something wrong and you're not getting any feedback out about it at all. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's a clear bug. Yes. And so yeah. I have no regrets about breaking your code because of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say that in a, like a really like breaking in terms of, you know, you're now getting an error. I, I consider that code already broken, but it was silently broken. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't mind complaining about that. The require one's kind of an interesting one because because of the way the, the NS macro works, it actually would do the thing you expected it to do mm. uh, if you used a symbol instead of a keyword, uh, because that actually got turned into uh, a call that got evaluated. Um, and so, um, but you know, there is no documentation anywhere that says that that's a valid thing to do. Uh, and that was never the intention. So I'd say that has, you know, you can choose to see that how you like. So <laughs> it was code that, that was never considered to be invalid, but happened to actually do the thing you wanted it to do. Yeah. And now it's not doing the thing you wanted it to do. So but do you expect uh, I have some sympathy for that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, um, so where I'm at right now is we're in the alpha stages. Okay. And so if you know, my question is, is there so much of that that we are really going to um, cause errors to come up in people's code that um, was perfectly okay before in terms mm -hmm. of doing what you wanted it to do? Um, that if that causes so many problems, then maybe we need to grandfather that particular usage of it in. Like, mm -hmm. if we only allowed, like, require an import to be either a keyword or a symbol in particular like that would cover the vast majority of these cases yeah. um, so we wouldn't have to completely open it up but maybe we could make it slightly more tolerant yeah. but if we do that we then make it that way for forever yeah yeah that's true so I mean, it's at some point you need to draw the line so i think we, we... or we could open it up but then mm. you know check for that and emit a warning for example yeah. so we could say this is deprecated and we're gonna close it down next time mm. uh, you know in the next release or something like that but um I, we've decided not to make a decision on that okay um, for now okay so but, um and that there was sort of an initial big flood of that yeah yeah right when that alpha came out that's died down considerably yeah so <laughs> i'm i'd say it's still in the wait and see Okay, but do you expect these kind of cases to pop up while while you are filling up uh, the the core code base with uh, specs? Um, well, I mean, I wrote a lot of specs yeah. uh, in the most commonly used things mm. in Closure. So, I mean, I'm I'm covering NS, 
defin, defin minus, um, let, when let, if let, all those things. Uh, And there were really three different um, use cases that I saw over and over again. Like, and, and like I said, I think one or two of those fall into this category of, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, and the other ones are real bugs. Okay. So, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know until we do more with it. I have done some yeah. more that's not released yet, but, um, the other thing I've played with is actually specking functions. Okay. So some of the core functions, things like, you know, just stuff like map and things like that. Uh, and it's actually interesting. I think those failures when I f- see them are actually more interesting to me than the most of the macro ones. Mm. Um, the macro ones tend to be usually because somebody is um, not as familiar with closure, whereas the function ones tend to be, I actually wrote a bug in my code and I wasn't before I wasn't being told about it, but now I am. And the, the big thing is that what happened before was that if like you have some code that calls map and you pass it something that's not um, a sequence mm, or something like yeah, that, yeah. seekable, yeah. Um, right, right, right. then the error you get is down inside a function, a method inside the RT class enclosure. Like that's mm. where the error is reported. Um, <laughs> and so you get this stack trace with an error coming out of RT saying, you know, something's not, no, not whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, it falls through into some last case and throws an error at that point. So there's several stack frames on the top of the stack mm. that are not related to your code. Yeah. Um, and whereas if you have a spec and that spec is instrumented right now, mm. then you get the error at the point where you call map with an invalid argument. And it says, and it points to not the line in RT, it points to the line in your code and says, at this point, you called something with an invalid thing. And so that is a much better error message. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's yes. much it's much better located in terms of where you're pointing at. And we, we, we haven't talked about the error messages part yet, yeah, but... Yeah. The scope of those um, specs are much narrower than these big syntax DSL type macros. And so you don't really have as much of that problem of the error message being complicated. It is pretty, those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a, I am looking forward to having some of those specs in there and being able to let people turn those on mm-hmm. uh, because I, I suspect that uh, people will find real bugs in their programs um, that they were not aware existed. So, I was just going to ask you, Alex, if you found a few little glitches yourself um, as, you, as you were going through some of the uh, core libraries, or is that something you'd rather just keep amongst friends? No, I mean, I, we, I, mean I found one of those require cases in Closure itself in one of the test oh. namespaces. All right, uh, okay. We found one in Closure Script too. Mm. So, I mean, those were out there. I haven't found much yet beyond that mm. um i did i do have a set of specs for spec um which is kind of an interesting thing yeah, um, yeah. and so i did actually find some bugs in spec using spec <laughs> oh wow <laughs> it's it's code writing code specs checking specs you know it's all the way down exactly so yeah. the cool thing was rich one day on chat was like hey you know if you spec form spec you know spec yeah. slash form yeah if you spec form then you can build tests for everything in spec and i <laughs> wow. said well and he said well if you build a spec that describes all of the different forms of the specs then you can use the generator for that spec to generate specs <laughs> and then you can use each of those specs <laughs> to generate data to pass into the spec 
to check conformance <laughs> against the spec. This is this and is so. I have actually written some of that. I haven't finished it, but cool. uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah. I would like to get that in there. But uh, it's pretty. That it, and it was one of those you know mind blowing things where I was like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> true. But that is the thing, thing about about, about the lisps and, and and recursion, right? I mean, if you if you think about Haskell, if you think about other things, they have like, okay, values have types and types have kinds, and then it somewhere it stops. But but in Lisp, you know, they, they keep going again and again and again, and there is no there is no bottom in this one. So yeah, it's a true sense of recursion. Okay, so the other other issue that we were talking about is the error messages. So there have been some nope, yeah. discussions about that one too, right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, and I think those are you know I think those complaints are are well founded to some yeah. degree. I mean I, I mean I, I I believe me I re I read more of these speckers <laughs> than anybody else. That's true because yeah, I was yeah. debugging running it on dozens of open source projects and found lots of them. Yeah, um, and, and there are a combination in these the the DSL macros that are in that that we've added specs for things like NS and let destructuring and defin that. Um, like really destructuring in NS in particular, those two like are really, really complicated. I mean, they're like 50 plus lines of spec for each of them. Um, so one of the, there are some particular problems that drive those into being uh, hard to generate automatic errors that are um, really good. Um, so they're kind of on the, in my mind, kind of on the outer edge of um, that problem. They're exhibiting all the worst aspects of that problem. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. like one of the things that comes up is um, fan out. So when you have a big fan out with an alt or an or, um, spec is going to try to uh, evaluate all of them mm. and it's going to report errors that the thing you're doing doesn't match any of the 15 options. Wow. And so you're going to get 15 errors. Yeah. And so that's, um, that's, you know, has this inherent problem in it that you're going to get this um, large ex explosion there. Yeah, um, I think there's things that can be done though, mm -hmm. and like there's a there's a bunch of different things that can be done, and I, I, there are targeted changes that would help in all of those. And then macro errors in particular have this um, are doing this thing where you're matching the args past the macro, mm -hmm. um, and so when that gets reported, it gets reported as like a list of the arguments instead of call invoking the macro with the arguments okay yeah. that in itself is just it's confusing to read the yeah. way it's it prints out right now but it's that's totally fixable mm. um so and then there's some other problems around in particular around regexes the fail at the end yeah um, like cats the fail at the end and things like that the way those are being reported and so there are a bunch of individual problems that i think contribute to um making the error messages harder to read than they could be and so I've been experimenting with some of those and, and I have no doubt that we will make more changes with it. Um, so uh, so I, would, I, I don't see it as a done area. <laughs> so. Of course. A <clears throat> little point on that, uh, actually, Alex, is, is, it, is this kind of like error messaging thing, a little bit like test check in that you want the smallest possible failing case type thing? You know, that's the kind of logic you want to apply to it. Uh, I mean, yes. Like and so like one of the things that we've I've got sitting around somewhere is a thing just to sort the thing that matched the farthest up to the top of the list of problems. And so that in itself, that's usually the, the problem is that 
it's it's how do you d determine intent, right? The the user intended to sure. do something, and they failed to do it. But you know, of all the possible options they could have done, like which one is the one that they were actually trying to do? And the one that got the farthest into matching is probably the closest. So mm. that's a and that's something that um, Colin had had pointed out when he did uh, his stuff with cursive. And, yeah. And uh, I think that's from having looked at a bunch of them. I think that's a generally that's that's a good heuristic. Um, so I think we'll leverage that. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say the uh, like the the kind of I think the thing I looked at uh, Bruce Howman and also when you look at Elm and things like this, which is the sort of poster child for some of these error messages. You know, you want things like oh, you've said that. Do you mean this? Um, is that the kind of thing that ultimately you'd like to get to? Um, no. So we're not going to do. All that. right. Okay. <laughs> but, but, Good to know. <laughs> oh my God! Let's start crying now, everybody. <laughs> no, no, I mean I'm I, sure you, I don't I'm think sure we're going to do that. a reason for. Uh... I think I think that should be that should be part of other languages. It's like, oh, you have this error. Do you mean to write it in closure? <laughs> so I mean, like what we've done is that we've made the the explain printer is now pluggable. So um, there's nothing that's preventing you from plugging in uh, um, some sort of external thing that does that. Yeah. Uh, now, so um, it, you know, we, we've draw, we've drawn a line. That's on the other side okay. of the line. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I don't expect right. to do that part. Um, but it's totally, you know, it, it's totally feasible to for someone to do that and then plug that in as the explain printer for uh, for spec, and then you get those out. So out the out of the box, the specs error messages will be in terms of data structures. Um, no, I mean, what you get now is you get you get an error printed. Yeah. And so that's not that's not data. Oh, okay. that's, yeah, yeah. that's an error. And that's what you yeah. get now. But the exception that's being thrown has mm -hmm. that as the message. Yeah. And it has it's an X info that has the X data, which is the explained data. OK. So you have all of the tools to be able to plug you in, know, do whatever you want to do with it. OK. So um, wrapping up with the spec discussion, so how much Percentage do you think is still uh, uh, like coverage of the core is needed to to bring spec to uh, a release version like a beta or at least one dot nine? I don't know yet. Okay. I have a discussion table to, <laughs> to talk about this with Rich, but I mean, I have a list of things that are things that I think we must fix or do, yeah. things that I think we should fix or do, yeah. and things that. Rich needs to weigh in on whether or not we're going to do them. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a big list of that kind of okay. stuff. And and uh, the, but it's, it seems like it, it is nice to have this kind of a band-aid sort of approach that you just need to put specs in one go rather than putting these things in multiple situations, right, or multiple versions. You mean is like, in terms of uh, just like, taking adding to one point nine or yeah, exactly. So adding adding specs to the all the libraries, yeah, I guess. code libraries. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. We didn't ever really seriously consider creating it a library that was independent from the, the code because we wanted to be able to integrate it more, and and we went we didn't we really didn't want to spend time yeah. um, on integrating it with multiple versions of Closure and dealing with differences and stuff like that. We really wanted to focus on yeah. making spec great and putting it in the box. Okay, so it's just a matter of difference in priorities. Yeah. Okay. Cool stuff. So um, I'd really like to talk about the the book uh, Closure Applied. Uh, fantastic book, by the way. I mean, thanks for writing it. Um, I think it, it's it's you and Ben Van Grift, right? Did I pronounce yeah. it correctly? Yeah. 
Yep, um, Ben Bancroft. Yeah, I mean, this is like a very, um, it, it, it fills a nice spot in the closure book uh, realm, so to speak. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have this uh, programming closure, you have Joy of Closure, you have uh, plenty of other books as well. But uh, this is really practical guide, you know, talking about how, how do I start with, how do I model my domain? So when I started with closure, um, I think uh, pr- probably the same time uh, in 2011 or something or 2010. So because I've been so much used to Java and every time I used to think about, okay, I need to create a class, I need to create this kind of stuff. So all these questions, I mean, the, the book has been really uh, helpful for me at least uh, in, in uh, structuring large programs or structuring closure programs in general. So can, can you give us some quick summary for the people who haven't read that book yet, uh, the central ideas of the book? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, I just want to mention the holidays are coming up. Yeah. They make great gifts. <laughs> exactly. I recommend buying them 15 or 20 at a time and giving them to everyone, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no. So, I mean, uh, Ben actually started working on the book before I was involved mm-hmm. uh, and had already talked to the publisher and everything. And he was actually looking at doing something, a book that was sort of talking about close, the closure ecosystem. And so he really wanted to talk about not just how you use closure, but how, you know, li- other libraries can be used with it and things like that. Um, and so, uh, through a series of conversations, um, I got pulled in and I kind of hijacked the book. Um, so, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. no, I mean, we had, we had a lot of long conversations about it yeah. and, uh, ended up in the, the, the direction changed and, and we really, the goal was really, you know, okay, I've learned the closure syntax. Yeah. Like, how do I use it? And like he, Ben had, uh, was at the time a cognitive uh, consultant at Cognitect mm. and had been on a bunch of different, you know, fairly significant closure projects. And I had spent a few years doing, you know, production closure before I was at Cognitect and then did a little bit more, a few projects after. Yeah. Um, and so it was really like, can we distill down the things that we see people, we see people being successful with mm. in terms of how they build um, uh, a- applications. Yeah. And so, um, it's really broken into three parts, mm-hmm. uh, foundations, applications, and practices. Uh, the, so the foundations part really talks about domain modeling, uh, collections, and sequences. Yep. Those are the three chapters in the foundations. Um, and uh, the mm-hmm. application sections talks about state, managing state enclosure, uh, doing concurrency and parallelism, um, creating closure components. Yep. Uh, and we really got pretty deeply into core async and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, and then composition, how do you put different pieces together into an application? Um, and then the last section of practices is more sort of orthogonal things like testing, uh, serialization formats. Where we were talking about things like Eden and Transit. Yeah. And then uh, how do you actually deploy the app into something? Okay. Um, and so... Are you working on the next edition of the book already? Um, probably releasing along with 1.9. <laughs> no, I mean we're we're not working on anything right now. Yeah. So it's to some degree is driven by the publisher. Okay. Um, so it's a matter of uh, them telling us that they're willing to do a new edition of it. Mm-hmm. I think to some degree that has to do with you know how how much they've sold of the first one. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So yeah. Uh, and then how many things have changed, and at some point it will make sense to do a new edition. And, yeah. And uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we would be happy to do that at that time. There are a lot of topics we left out. Yeah. And so we were really trying to um, look at like, what are the things that are really important? And 
we were un unabashedly we unabashedly ignored things that we um, didn't did not think for that important. Yeah. So whole topics like macros, like macros yeah, yeah, are not yeah. mentioned in the whole book. That's true, <laughs> um, and that's not that they're not important, but they're not essential. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can write apps without macros, and you're totally fine. Yeah. And so that we, that we just decided that was uh, and, and plus also pragmatic has a whole book about macros. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, from Colin. Yeah. So um, we decided that was not as a uh, not as critical. So you're going to write a new book that says closure applied now with macros. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that would be one topic that would like would be would be great to yeah. add. And there's there's others. People have mentioned stuff to us all the time. Yeah. But uh, um, and then the other thing I'm doing right now is actually working on um, a new third edition of Programming Closure from oh. Pragmatic, which is uh, Stu Holloway's book. Yes. Um, and then the second edition was done by Aaron Bedra. Yeah. And sort of, I'm working on revising it for. Uh, it's now I don't know when the last edition came out. It was like. 2011 or yeah, 12 or pretty, something. Yeah, pretty long time ago, yeah. The, the Swan it's book. Now I still, probably I, one still, of the I still read that book, though. <laughs> Once a month, I still, I still <laughs> get that book out and have a look at it. It really does explain things. Some things really, really well. Yeah. yeah. Like the set theory. I don't know why, but that relational stuff, the set stuff, really has got a great explanation in it, and I keep on going back to it, you know. Yeah, and there, I mean, there are parts of it that are, at this point, um, sort of no longer relevant. Mm. Like, there's things about Def struct in there yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. There's parts of it that aren't as relevant anymore. And so some of doing a new edition will involve removing some of that stuff. Some of it is just updating and tweaking the text to be, you know, take into account newer things that exist now that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there will also be, there will be a, a whole chapter about spec. Okay. Um, there will probably be a new chapter sure. about transducers and reducers. Ooh, um, cool. And so things like that. So we'll, We'll add some new content on things that have been created. I don't think Core Async is in that book either, is it? It's not, and that probably will not be added. Okay. Um, I mean, we do we cover a lot in Closure Applied, so true. Um, true. Rather than you know, I, I most of the things I had to say about it, I tried to say in Closure Applied, so I probably <laughs> yeah. will not add anything about that in there. Somebody else can do the Closure Bible. Yeah, yeah, that that would be great. <laughs> So, but do you have any time would, for the for the third edition to come out? No, okay. I'm I'm a. It was originally the originally the draft was supposed <laughs> to be done by the end of the year, but I've only barely started on it, yeah, so yeah. it's a it's way behind. <laughs> when writing book is is really 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 hard work. I mean, I can imagine. You know. It's ridiculous so, the amount of time that I goes know. into it. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, so uh, to the people who are listening, so if you haven't bought Closure Applied yet, go and buy it right now and then read it. Uh, and, and then buy it and again. Then buy it again. Yes, keep <laughs> buying it <laughs> yeah. until you get That's it. That's my opinion. Yes. <laughs> and of course, there is going to be a new uh, programming enclosure. Uh, that is a Swan book, right? The, the one with the Swan on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Swan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty soon. That's pretty cool. Okay. Um, so we, we'd like to talk a little bit about Closure Community before we um, we conclude. So first of all, uh, I know you, you've been uh, pivotal in organizing all sorts of events around Closure, uh, Conj, uh, both East and West, and now Euroclosure, obviously, um, along with Cognitech folks, and um, uh, Strange Loop, of course. So how, how did you start with these events? I mean, was it something that you were doing before uh, or... Uh, well, so Strange Loop was, was the first one that I worked on yeah. and, and still my baby. <laughs> um, but uh, r really, that was just driven out of a desire to have some sort of a, like, 
I was doing a lot of speaking at that point, so I was doing a lot of traveling to conferences other places, and I was like, well, this is silly. There should be a conference in St. Louis. So, so you, you thought, I, I should have my own conference. Screw this thing. I was like, it's not that hard. I could, I know what goes into it. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. So, um, and so I was uh, wonderfully naive, I think is the way to put that. But uh, uh, got into it, and it's been a really uh, rewarding yeah, part yeah. of my life. It, it so is one of the best conferences really I've ever seen. Well, I, I was never there, but I always wait for the videos, and I always wait for, <laughs> you know, uh, that's pretty amazing. Okay, yeah. So that's great. Yeah, the, variety, yeah. the variety is fantastic, Alex. Yeah. I, you know, that's one of the things that impressed me about Strange Loop is that it's like, you managed to get a lot of people from a lot of different uh, environments, a lot of different subjects, languages, even like cultures, yeah. you know. So it really feels like it's a, a kind of crossover type of conference, you know, it's like, which is pretty rare still. It's like all-you-can-eat buffet sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that was all the idea is to get people who are from different different uh, cultures to sort of mm. talk to each other, both from like academic to yeah, industry, yeah. different languages and that sort of thing. So yeah. we, we do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, I started Lambda Jam and Closure West yeah. at later points. And then uh, that quickly, I quickly realized that was too much for me to do mm. all three of those events as just a side thing yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. my evenings. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just too much. <laughs> so uh, Lambda Jam, I gave away. And it's, that's kind of the one here in the US has died off. But mm. I think the Australia one's still going. And then uh, Closure West, I sort of gave to Cognitect when I joined them. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I still run Strange Loop, but mm. um, uh, now Cognitect runs Closure West and the Cognitive and Euroclosure. Mm. And um, in the past, I've done a fair amount of work with that. Mm -hmm. These days, I'm I'm uh, doing as little as possible actually around those, so that I can focus on working on closure itself. Mm -hmm. And so, Lynn Grogan really does the the uh, all of the awesome stuff that happens for all those <laughs> conferences. And and uh, I'm I'm as I'm as out of it as I could possibly be, other than sort of working on sort of the technical program aspects of it, which I still yeah. uh, am pretty involved in. Okay, so th there has been some. Um... Speaking about the community, there has been some criticism around um, how Clojure is managed. I mean, it's not like a completely open source project because it's been managed mostly by uh, by Rich and uh, and, and Cognitect. Uh, so, how do you address these kind of criticisms? I think the the biggest thing is that I think people have um, expectations mm -hmm. um, that are just different than our expectations. Like that's, I, mean, I think, and I mean, I see this in conferences too. Like the biggest, the times when people are upset are when what they're expecting to happen is different than what actually happens. So um, that's, that's, that's like the biggest source of a, yeah. there's some Buddhist philosophy here, I think. But uh, yeah. Um, uh, and so like, I think, you know, like, like Rich and Stu and, and even me to some degree, like we all are, uh, have, have been around for a while. Yeah. And uh, from, started in closed source days and went through a bunch of different generations of open source. And um, there are a lot of people, a lot of developers that are, you know, have only been doing open source development for a few years. And mm -hmm. and sort of the default these days, I think, is much different than yeah, back in um, days, sort of yeah. where we started from. Yeah. And so uh, if you look at, you know, people who are used to doing open source now, they, they expect certain things out of an, uh, out of a project they expect to be able to make pull requests yeah. and use github and yeah. to um to uh, they expect it to be sort of a a collaborative experience yeah. and um that i just don't that closure is just run in a different way than that yeah. and so 
Um, you know, Rich really looks around for problems that he thinks are important to solve and tries to uh, work on solving those problems. And, and they're not necessarily problems that, I mean, he's really looking at problems that are important for the industry to solve. I mean, that's where closure came from. Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, to some degree, I think he, he wanted to write Datomic mm. and didn't have a good language to write it in. Uh, <laughs> and so he stepped back <laughs> and said, okay, well, maybe I need to make a better language, you know, and, and he spent a lot, years working on trying to come up with that. And, you know, and because he's a really smart guy, yeah. uh, I think he, he succeeded. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, he built something that was really useful for other people to use, and and uh, I think he really is interested in. And, and I think, I mean, if you if you look around at like sort of, I think the descendants of closure. Mm. If you, I mean, if you look at Elixir or yeah. um, some parts of Elm, or mm. uh, a lot of languages these days have, uh, or, or things like a Julia yeah, or yeah. You know, a bunch of the, or JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these things have like now have things in them that I think I, I would say they're those things came from or were informed by closure. Mm. Uh, and so I give, I give Rich a lot of credit to sort of um, sort of seeing farther ahead yeah. and working on what were really important problems. And um, that means that he's not as interested in sort of getting uh, taking you know your random function that you want in the closure standard library and adding it to closure yeah. it's just uh, this is this is not where his focus is yeah. you know yeah and so um, that and that doesn't mean that that function's bad yeah it just means that he's he focuses on other things yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah fair enough um, I mean, that's that's um, well it, the, the, there is always this kind of discussion happened since since the beginning of the open source stuff as you're pointing out these days everybody thinks that open source means putting your project on github and and back in the days of uh, well you remember sourceforge and other crap and then you know even before that having just an anon cvs somewhere you know the, uh-huh. the, those days were much more uh, different i would say but um, mm-hmm. yeah so so how do you see the future of closure i mean where is there any long-term vision that 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 we should be aligning ourselves with? I, I mean, I think it's it, it's it's continually surprising to me how many things Rich has thought about that mm. don't exist yet in Closure. Oh, okay. I mean, there are a lot of things that he spent significant time working on yep. that haven't seen the light of day yet. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know. Are rich in particular, but I'd say you know our focus from a language perspective is a long-term one. Yeah. Um, and so we're really trying to build a language that I, I think Clojure has a very different growth arc mm. than most other languages. Like most other, like if you look at like uh, Scala is a good example. Yeah. Like it grew and then it got really hot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think because because it was addressing things that people were having problems with and. In Java, and it was really an evolutionary language from Java. Like, really, they were really trying to build bridges there. Yeah. Same thing with Groovy is another yeah. great example. Yeah. Is like yeah. we're trying to take Java and make it better or whatever. And 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 uh, I think Closure has had a very different curve. Is that it never has really like spiked or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just continued to grow over a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, and that's I think it's actually a really healthy way for a project to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, you don't have any control over that. I don't think yeah. to some degree, but um, yeah. uh, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't need to solve every problem or be the perfect language for everyone um, yeah. to be a really good language for a lot of people to solve hard problems in. And I think it really does address 
the issue of complexity in particular, which I think is the most vexing thing that we as developers you know, have to deal with every single day. Yeah. And I think it has more tools to deal with that than other languages. Mm. So as I told Rich once, yes. it's the least worst language I've ever used. <laughs> and he, he took that as the great compliment it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad that Rich wanted to build Dedomek and then he built Clojure and he stopped at the programming language <laughs> instead of thinking, wait a minute, I should write operating system. Oh, wait a minute. I should come up yeah. with a new architecture of processor or something. No. Fortunately, there was an endpoint, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't go to the, the list machine. guys didn't stop that, did they? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. He didn't go to the list machine level or anything. No. Yeah. As far as I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We never know. And then he comes up with... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> he comes up with another word and then says, gives the dictionary meaning of it and then... <laughs> uh, <yep. laughs> he says, machine. What is a machine? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So um, before before we uh, conclude, uh, a couple of um, things that uh, we still like to ask you. So one of the things is that... Uh, so so you, you're also... Um, um, I think a um, big part of uh, announcing the new closure.org and closurescript.org, right? Um, uh-huh. So, and and related to that, um, also, how can people get involved and, and how can people help Clojure? Uh, because obviously it, it is it is it is an open source project and obviously Rich and, and you especially listen to a lot of community feedback. So where, where should folks start if, if they want to contribute? So I think you, I mean, you mentioned the websites yeah. and, and uh, that was something that um, uh, Rich was really behind mm-hmm. and has behind, been behind for a long time, but it took, it took uh, the right set of ideas and like the right set of people to say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like getting pe- getting all the right people to agree that we should do this, <laughs> that we should overhaul each of those things was harder than doing the work yeah, to yeah. do a large degree. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you know, I'm really happy that that those things are out on the site mm. and um that we're, we're able to take prs there and and uh push changes up uh, and you know usually if somebody sends me a pr that's a good thing yeah. like yeah i i merge it in a couple minutes mm. you know it's uh, the e- things that are easy to merge get merged immediately yeah. pretty much um and then there are a bunch of things that you know are just undone, and there's there's a bunch of tickets in the the doc sites. Mm. Uh, this is a GitHub closure closure site and closure script site. Yep. Those are the two projects, and they those have a bunch of tags, a bunch of issues in them yep. that have help wanted tags on them. Yep. And you know, if you send me good content for those, I promise I will read it and review it and merge it if it's good. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, it, th- there are especially things in the sort of in the guide how to area. Mm. Those are really, um, you know, those don't have to be. Uh, those just have to be factually correct, yeah. pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, to be useful. And then they don't have to be, even if they're not complete. You know, they can be follow ups to make them more complete. So uh, even partial work there is useful. Yeah. Uh, things in the reference area are things that typically need to go through a little bit more work. Sometimes there are things that I can vet. Sometimes there are things that I have to take to Rich and, yeah. and have him look at. And so sometimes those get a little stalled out. Yeah. And so I, I have too many things on my plate yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so sure. between the, the open source libs and closure and the docs and all that stuff. So yeah. um, certainly I can use help um, reviewing things or mm. writing new content for those. There's more to do there than I have done yeah. for sure or could do okay 
Yeah, but they look they do look really, really good now. I think the, the as resources, you know, we, we can fill uh, another series of shows based upon all those documents. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for that. <laughs> you, 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 I, I'm really happy that some of those guides exist on the closure site that didn't exist before or existed in other less notable places. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I, I'm really happy to have a place that I can point people to learn about destructuring or thread macros or whatever or spec yeah, yeah. you know and just yeah. have those be things on the site and when there's bugs people can just send me a pr and we can fix them and yeah i you know i've, I've taken tons of those on the spec guide mm. and people find all sorts of little little problems in there and that's you know i'm that's great to have yeah. <laughs> i'm totally yeah. totally happy to take those and uh no i think we we all we really appreciate your energy and uh the things you've done for the closure community alex and uh been a real pleasure to have you on the episode actually um you know we've learned a lot of stuff today and obviously there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike so that's uh exciting times i think yeah i mean i think that's uh i can tell you from the inside that uh there are a frightening number of ideas that rich has so (laughs) (laughs) enough to fill a lifetime of development for sure so nice we're we're very excited to to have you on the show as well i mean thank thanks a lot for uh for joining us um and maybe we just finish with just a little like a couple of like like softball questions or something you know like so so well is there anything else you want to you're gonna ask me about emacs again aren't you no 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 come on we got the tough ones out of the way first no is is there anything else we 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 you'd like to say or talk to the community about that we haven't you know mentioned so far or is any Anything else that you'd like to, to mention and while you've got this uh, this chance to address the huge audience that uh, Defen <laughs> the, the, brings the, the, to the you. digit audience. <laughs> I I'm I'm very appreciative of everything in the culture community. It's a uh, it's it's great. I mean, it's really you, you know every day I open my email and my Twitter and and see new things and I'm surprised and you know excited by new things and so I'm I think it's fantastic that uh, the culture community is so. Um, interested in trying new things and learning new things and pushing closure in different directions and uh that's fantastic so it's it's a it's it's my pleasure (laughs) really (laughs) just watch so okay uh so that's it uh, for today i suppose um thanks a lot for uh joining us alex again and um we hope to see you at one of the events soon and Thank you for uh, making into our second double-digit episode of uh, of Defen. And a, a quick, um, uh, of course, we'll we'll post all the links in the in the show notes. And um, you'll you'll probably you're already listening to this on iTunes and SoundCloud and everywhere else. And we'll tweet about it. And um, a quick uh, shout out to our uh, uh, music creator. Uh, yes, Mr. Pizzeri. Yeah. he's doing his melon hamburger. He's not having. Maybe it's Alex. He's just tucking into a bit of beef jerky now, uh, while he's quiet towards the end. There, you know, he's gnawing on some raw meat at the end, while we listen to the melon hamburger outroing us. Yeah, yeah th- thanks to Pateri. Does a good job, and uh, you can visit him on SoundCloud and th- th- you know give him a bit of love. That would be really good. Um, yeah. So thanks again, Alex, and uh, it was a great conversation. Um, so I guess we'll 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 say goodbye. Yeah, that's it. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.